Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. I'm Charlie Polkstead, joined by Reed Tingley. Uh, Ducks' third home game of the year, 41-19, to is that right? 41-19 win over Arizona. Yep, um, that's what it ended at. Reed, you got to watch this at a lovely 9.30 p.m., is that correct? Yeah, it was actually kind of great, though. I got yeah. to... Got to watch a bunch of good football day, a bunch of crazy results, and then just kind of got to cap it off with a Ducks game that I assumed would be a little less stressful than it was, but in the end, it all worked out. (laughs) Definitely. We got some crazy Pac-12 results. We got some crazy national results. We'll get to all those as well. But obviously, we are a Ducks podcast. We want to start with the Ducks. So, Reed, what – I mean – what what was your first like thought when the final whistle ended about this game? Um, my my first thought was going back to kind of what we said um, going into conference play, which is this this team can't perform in the same way that the 2019 team get, did, allowing for the Pac-12 slate to be closer than it needs to be, um, and this performance just looked a lot like what we saw in 2019. Um, And I'm not going to say that if Oregon was playing a better conference opponent, they necessarily would have lost. But I think the more important thing to say is that they could have lost, you know, it's a performance similar to what we saw them do against Wazoo in 2019 or Cal or Arizona state. And you'll win some of those games still, but if they keep up this type of effort, there's going to be a loss in conference at some point, I think is, is how I felt after this game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the phrase we keep hearing over and over is we're playing down to the competition. I believe it was Travis Dye who used that phrase last week um, after the Stony Brook game. And yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. I mean, we're not getting up for these games for whatever reason. Maybe it's a motivation thing. I mean, we looked super motivated against Ohio State and like Mm -hmm. that that's obviously one of those things that doesn't appear in stats or box scores or anything like that is how motivated, for lack of a better term, I mean, motivated you are to win a game. Like we came out with our heads on fire in Columbus um, and we never really let up. You could argue in the fourth quarter, maybe they started like turning the corner a little bit and figuring things out against us. But by then it was too late. Like, yeah, we should not be, Arizona should not be within a touchdown of us in the third quarter, which is what it was. Um, We should not be getting blanked in any quarter by Arizona. Um, But it's also tough because as I was saying, you have to think about the motivation factor. You're not going to be as excited to play a team that just lost to Northern Arizona. That being said, though, that that's a coaching thing, right? I mean, you should be able to motivate your team for every game, no matter who the opponent is. Uh, and Oregon almost paid dearly for that. I think we even saw a little bit of this last year in, in the two losses, right? I mean, we kind of knew already that the season would come down to the, the UW game, which, of course, never actually happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yet we're out here losing to Cal the week before, looking like we just aren't ready to play the game so 
I mean, do you kind of chalk this up to coaching or do you think it's more of a player thing? I mean, we can we can get into who played well and who didn't in a little bit too, but I don't know. It, on the surface, to me at least, it seems like a coaching problem a little bit, um, especially when you consider some of these penalties, which we'll also talk about in a second. I think a lot of them were total BS. But Yeah, I, I think that Oregon just isn't um, built to blow out the bad teams and Arizona is a bad team. Um, so, you know, the, there are a lot of team. Well, that's not even true, but really good teams would look better against Arizona than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not, I mean, ultimately, would I rather have a defense that can hold Ohio State under 30 but might give up, you know, 20 to Arizona or a defense that will hold Arizona under 10 but give up 40-plus to Ohio State? You know, you want a defense that puts you in the best position to win the big games. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that, you know, the type of coverage we run – with the soft zone, kind of allowing some of those intermediate completions, especially when we're so inexperienced at linebacker now and thin at linebacker now, is a recipe for a lot of teams that are just even competent to get some yards on this defense. That's Mm -hmm. just what's going to happen. So the pass defense, in my mind, I'm fine with, I think. They got the interceptions, um, obviously five of them. And they've shown that that's something that I think is somewhat repeatable, not five, but that's how they're going to live. And I think it's fair to expect that once you get in the red zone, this defense actually has a good chance of picking a ball off um, on a consistent basis, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I don't like about this team right now and this defense specifically is the run defense you know it it just doesn't really make sense how well they played against Ohio State and how poorly they've shown against Stony Brook and Arizona now uh that's they just shouldn't be getting pushed around with how much better players we have on our side Mm -hmm. um and then the other thing is we can't generate much of a pass rush right now. And that might be personnel based. I think it's tough though, because even without Swinson and Thibodeau, who are probably our two best pass rushers on the team, mm-hmm. we still should have guys that can beat Arizona and generate a pass rush. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it was a frustrating performance all around. What, it, what else did you see? I think on the pass rush front, I, I just want to mention that I completely agree, but that also applies to like every other position group. I mean, in our preview for this game, we mentioned that like we don't really have a preview because if we were to break it down by position group, Oregon should be winning every single battle, every single play. Yeah. On, on paper, yes, that is how it is. Again, I'm going to mention the motivation factor. Arizona just lost to a bad FCS school and now they come in and, you know, they have literally nothing to lose um, by playing their hearts out in this game. So 
you know, the, the motivation factor tips in their favor, but still it just shouldn't matter. I mean, they outgained us on the ground and in the air. Um, people are mentioning time of possession. I think they're using it a little bit wrong. Like I think in this, in both of these last two games, the way you talk about time of possession should be, it should be pretty obvious. Like, yeah. Okay. Arizona and Stony Brook are having moderate success running the ball against us, which they shouldn't be. But the reason they have such, I mean, <laughs> they're going to continue doing that just to keep the ball out of our hands. Right. Um, but well, it is it, worth mentioning that even when the ball was in our hands, we couldn't really do anything with it. Again, they outpassed and outrushed us. And yes, yeah, they had I, more plays and everything because of the turnovers, but go ahead. Well, I just, the, the whole, I mean, the announcers, you didn't get to hear, luckily for you, they were god awful. That's what I hear, yeah. <laughs> and just bringing up time of possession when a team is down two scores, it's like, yes. <laughs> Like, it's good that they can run the ball on us and extend drives, but winning the time of possession is not a sustainable way, or it's just not a path at all to get back into a two-score game. No, exactly. It'll be a byproduct of keeping the ball away from our offense, which is how a lot of these upsets generally occur, right? But again, it's not like you know, you're putting the cart before the horse, so to speak, if you're like banking on time of possession to win you the game. Yeah. Um, But I mean, yeah, it was a weird night. Um, You know, obviously it started about as well as it could have. uh, Yeah. At least those, (laughs) you know, that first four plays, quick touchdown and then a pick on the first, first play from scrimmage for Arizona. Um, But there's just some small things that second drive, you just should get seven points there Yep, against Arizona. It just, you just look kind of unserious when you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think, you know, Oregon just got in a weird spot to start that second half uh, where Arizona had this long drive and Verone comes up at the end of that end of that and gets that goal line interception. And so mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Keep points off the board. Um, and if Oregon's offense had been able to come out and sustain a drive, then that defense gets a breather. It, it would have been all, all fine. And Oregon would have kind of pulled away in this game probably. Yes. But, Within three plays, Anthony Brown's being sacked in the end zone. Yes, safety, yes. and you put your defense right back out there, and it's another five and a half minute drive after following a six and a half minute drive. So exactly, basically, yeah. your defense has been out there for almost the entire third Second quarter half. at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, um, and Arizona scores, and then that's when you get into a little bit of oh shit mode because now your offense really can't get a three and out. Um, Mm -hmm. And luckily they didn't uh, after a first and after starting with the first and 15 and then um, Travis Dye, I think was the one who ended up breaking a little run there um, or uh, uh, caught a pass to kind of get that drive started. 
And from there, it was fine. I mean, again, I, I want to put this in context, just like, in my mind, Oregon was never that close to losing this game. If yeah. you look at win probability, I think for a split second, they got down to like 87% right at, at first and 15 within a five-point game. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, though, Arizona literally took four snaps after after the six-minute mark in the first quarter. Arizona took four offensive snaps where they had the ball within a one-possession game, and and it was an eight-point possession. Yeah, yeah, and it was an eight. Yeah, it was an eight-point game, and they got a three and out within their ten within our ten-yard line. Um. Well, they got so, one first in their 10. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah, um, technicality. But anyways, it's just like Oregon always kind of had Arizona at an arm's length distance. Um, but still, it wasn't a convincing showing by Oregon at all. I think a lot of the commentators, you know, the classic thing for whatever reason, they are just talking, oh, this doesn't look like a top three team, da 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 da, da. <laughs> And we're going to get into what happened down through the rest of the schedule. But this is what college football has looked like this year, mm-hmm. even though Arizona is really bad. Um, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get and into the other ones. But there were – Exactly, like, yeah. You can't list like 10 teams that haven't struggled in bad games. You can't list like more than three probably or four or five, maybe. I mean, I'm even struggling to do that again. When we go through the national games, there were a lot this week that they got put on that list. Um, Exactly. Oh, this might be a hot take, but if this game were played in Tucson, I would actually be very scared uh, during that third quarter, but I want to, I want to pour one out for Autzen here because I <laughs> I was sitting with some friends who were still there during the end of the third quarter because, you know, everybody stays for shout and then they basically leave. But um, I, I, was tell- I was saying, like, we need a big play. It was third and ten, right, on the last play of the third quarter. And I was saying, we need a big play for shout. Otherwise, we'll have a timid shout and who knows what happens from there. You have a timid shout, you're in trouble, right? Um, like if you if you end a drive on a punt right before the fourth quarter, that's that's no bueno, you know. Yeah, no. I play that. play of the game. I'm not giving it to any interception. I'm not giving it to any touchdown. I'm giving it to a play that was on third down that ended in a field goal for the drive. It's the pass complete to seven McGee for twenty-seven. Yep. And I was oh, t- man. even as they were lining up, I was like, I mean, I'm patting myself on the back quite a bit here, but I was like. Why is seven in the game? Like, this is really interesting, you know? I mean, we've seen him, mm-hmm. we've seen him very sparingly. I want to say the only game he's played in was Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, is he, like, there's no way they actually, like, do anything with McGee here, right? Like, there's, because I was kind of thinking, like, oh, you know, we might be in four-down territory here. Probably not. But, like, I wouldn't be super shocked if we see some sort of, like, uh re like rpo or something where if it's open yeah. then you take the space with the run but when mcgee was out there i was like oh boy this is gonna be interesting and then he catches the pass over the middle and 
goes 27 yards with it. That was great to see. I We've been hyping up Seven McGee for a while now, um, and it was good to see him get a very meaningful touch, one that I, again, I think it was the most important play of the game. Just from a momentum standpoint, like, uh, if we, <laughs> once again, if we end that drive right there, that is real bad news. Yeah. Um, and again, this this one, I have to give Watson some props, man. A lot of people are still hating on the students and everything. Like, get a hold of your damn self. Like, do you watch college football? This happens at every single game across the country. This is the number three team. And like, the game was pretty much over when people really started leaving. Like, people are taking pictures with like, oh, five minutes left in the fourth quarter and this is the student section. And it's like 80% full still, like, yeah, I thought it was a compliment. Honestly, <laughs> I would have expected it that, to be worse. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean that's just the reality of. But anyways, I, I don't want to yeah. complain about that anymore. I for any anyone who listened last week, we I spent a little bit too much time on that. But but I mean, as as soon as Bennett got that pick six with it, seven yeah. minutes, left, the game was over, completely over. I mean. When Oregon scored to go up 15, you knew that Arizona didn't really have it in them. But especially after that pick six, it was. Yeah, it, it was definitely done. Garbage um, time. Well, yeah, and because we had just scored a touchdown right before that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. With a very convincing seven play, 59 yard drive. Uh, yeah. That, that was I, very nice to see. I think what you said about seven playing there is. is that play was huge, and it's funny. The the shout component of it actually does mean something, I think, too. I thought the same mm-hmm. thing at the time. Um, but, yeah, that rep means a lot. You know, I think oh, yeah. you would just have assumed that uh, Travis Dye kind of gets that spot to catch that pass mm-hmm. out of the backfield in a big moment. And Seven getting it says a lot. He also played a, and had a carry, I think, in the second quarter which again is very much while the game is still in balance. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's I'm he, trying he's to... kind of cracking the rotation. It seems like as, as you know, very light sprinkles here, but to put him in, in those two big spots tells me that they, he, he's probably going to keep playing a good bit this season and, and has a chance to just grow his role in the offense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you thought about him in, in terms of how he would be used, but in the depth chart that got put out this week or the organization chart, whatever the hell they call it, uh, obviously Verdell, it was Verdell or Die as the one, and then right. the three freshmen, Benson or Cardwell or McGee as the two. Um, I think that's really interesting because if I had to guess, I would say that McGee is number five in the running back room before that's, this game, obviously. That's what I would have said too, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I think, think I Benson think, or Cardwell even got reps in this game, did they? Yeah, I don't think they did either. Um, at least maybe they, I think they did on special teams, maybe, but you know, yeah, that's a whole different thing, really. Um, but yeah, I think probably what that says more is just um, like it, if CJ and Travis go down. I have a pretty good feeling that it's likely Benson and maybe Cardwell who gets the majority of the like every down back carries. Mm-hmm. But I think Seven's skill set uh, puts him in a position to complement those two backs 
and kind of get the carries that they don't or get the reps that they don't. Um, but man, it, I mean, anyone could have gotten that rep. And, and it, like you yes, said, in yeah. one of the biggest spots of the entire game, mm-hmm. they trust him uh, and he, he gets it done. Um, I think the other kind of elephant in the room that we, we should address yet again is what's going on at quarterback. Um, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to, you know, go back and look at the tape. I, I haven't done a full rewatch of this yet. Um, but. 10 for I 21. Think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For me, this was probably the most concerning performance I've seen from Anthony Brown yet. Um, That's fair. Yeah, he was. He looked hobbled at times. I don't know if you caught that in the stadium, but I did not. No, he definitely had a bit of a limp at times. Um, sometimes for me, just his body language was weird. I think. Uh, you know, in the Ohio State game, he had a very calming presence to him. He had that in the USC game last year too. I think he's he's very calm and composed, but it, it was a little frustrating at times for me because I was like, this team didn't need to be calm really mm-hmm. as much as they needed some fire at times in this game. And uh, it was just weird that they couldn't get a spark on offense for a while there. Um, and taking that safety... I mean, I think the whole line basically got beat on that play. I don't think it's Brown's yeah. fault necessarily, but that just can't happen for the offense as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brown's accuracy, same thing as we've seen before. You know, you just throw it a little bit behind one of those crossing routes and that kills a drive. You, yep. I mean, at everyone knows how football works. You only, you know, get three downs basically before you're going to punt a lot of times. Some, you know, sometimes you go for four, but if you lose one of those downs for zero yards, especially if you just ran it for two yards or something, then you're in third and eight. And then Oregon hasn't converted that well on those. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so man. Our, <laughs> our success rate on just, our, our success rate uh, on standard downs in the third quarter was 0%, which is not great. A success rate, again, is like if you, uh, if you get at least 50% of your yardage on first or second down for standard downs, that's what that means. Um, yeah. Passing downs, it was nice, 75%, mostly because of that McGee catch. But, um, yeah, man, it, it is super concerning. I agree with you. This is kind of the – probably the worst game we've seen from Brown and you could tell Mario wanted to get Thompson in there. I think it's also worth noting though, that, I mean, yeah, he missed some easy throws. We got to talk about this Chris Hudson situation. I wasn't privy to the the whole Mario explosion um, after the dropped pass in the stadium, but I saw it on Twitter afterwards. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not the hugest, I'm not the biggest fan of like chewing college students out for like dropping a pass especially when it's like something they know well, they for, doing differently or oh, right it was the celebration yeah, yeah. right yeah for the celebration yeah okay okay i <laughs> this was the stupidest call of the game i'm sorry crossing your yeah. arms should not be a fucking penalty 
Yeah, I do not want to live in a world where that is a 15-yard penalty. I don't think any football fan does. It was mostly because of the ball spin, I think. He, like, spun the ball, you know, how people do after, like, a touchdown. And then cross – I mean, I I think it's very stupid as well, too. But I'm just saying that I think that's what got him that – I thought it was fine, though. I mean, I think, you know, I'm not, like – I don't know. I'm, like (laughs) – I'm I would be uncomfortable in that situation yelling at someone, <laughs> but like that's why I'm not a football coach. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> yeah. That's just not really who I am. But I think it's like very fine. Like that's how that's yeah, like how yeah. you coach football. And like if Saban does it, sure. I, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like and Mario didn't Mario didn't like put his hands on him or anything. I think like you know, yeah, like, yeah. I just I think it's way blown out of proportion in comparison to some of the stuff that goes on. That's like actually, actually pretty bad. Um, and it it ended pretty quickly. But I mean, it was he was pissed for sure. I think Mario was pissed about the whole game probably. Um, and Chris probably got the brunt of it for what was just a a, a stupid play, I guess. But I don't know. I also. Yeah. I also just don't care that much. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's stupid because of the rule, not stupid because like, oh, that's such like an immature thing to do. Like, I don't like he caught the ball and burned the receiver. Like, I really think that they should just allow him to like spin the ball for two seconds and cross his arms. I don't like I don't think that shows any sort of character flaw in someone for doing yeah, that. I, I think agree. it's a pretty ridiculous rule. Um, but he also like you cost your team 15 yards yeah you're gonna get yelled at by the coach and you like deserve that and i chris seemed like he completely understood that so i i think it was a long about nothing really yeah Yeah. um yeah well real quick i want to stay on wide receivers um qb11 brought this up post game and it was something i was thinking about as well during the game we're not starting our tall wide receivers (laughs) it's it's really as simple as that um and he put it really well, it encapsulated my thoughts exactly of like, I guess they're just not doing enough of practice to overtake the shorter guys. Yeah. And you shouldn't, obviously you shouldn't completely judge receivers just based on their height. I mean, we've seen great things from Johnson, Red, Pittman, and even Hudson at times, but with Hudson especially is the, um, is the puzzling one. I mean, props to him for working his way into a starting spot. Like, Obviously, he's doing something right in practice, but I mean, you're really going to keep Troy Franklin or Dante Thornton or even Devin Williams off the field consistently for Hudson? Like, I don't know. I'm I don't really get it. Uh, yeah, but I it's get weird. maybe the thought process is we just need quicker guys because we're not really going for as many over the top balls. But I, that I feel like that's a little too general, and that Moorhead and Co. know a lot more than me about that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's going to happen eventually. I mean, you don't bring in Troy Franklin. I I mean, at a certain point, there just aren't going to be any of those, like, receivers to start. Like, Mm -hmm. at it's like we brought in Isaiah Brevard, Troy Franklin, and uh, Dante Thornton last class, like, those guys are going to have to play at some point. 
Um, I think we'd like it to be now, but you know, who knows what it looks like in practice? Who knows if they get a route wrong 10% of the time to the point where the coaches are like, that's a pick if you go the wrong way there and Mm -hmm. having that risk isn't worth it. Um, So yeah, but I, I mean, it definitely is frustrating from like a, you know, a video game standpoint, if you, if I was just loading up NCAA 14 with this roster, I mean, you better believe I'm starting Thornton and, and Franklin, um, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if all, if all of that extra kind of stuff that goes into football that we don't see is, is taken off. It does from the surface level standpoint, I definitely get what you're saying. Um, another tweet that, that, uh, QB 11 put out after the game um, was comparing again, going back to the quarterback room. He compared it to Hertz and Tua at Bama. Yeah, I saw that. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's a little generous maybe to both guys on our roster, but continue. <laughs> yeah, I do think it's generous to both guys, but I think that's also a good comparison um, because it does paint, I think it paints Brown in a more accurate light because Hertz was an effective quarterback for a long time and did enough to win you a lot of games. The title. Right. Well, he didn't, they didn't win a title with Hertz. Really? Well, uh, I just they, kind of assumed they did at one point. No, no, I think Clemson beat him with Deshaun last second with Hertz. Mm. Uh, but Hertz did a lot. In, I mean, they could have easily won. And yeah. then Hertz got benched versus Georgia. So I guess they I remember won that with part. Hertz yeah. technically, yeah. but because of Tua. Um, I don't think they straight up won a title with Hertz, though. Um, but regardless, I mean, he put him in a position to potentially win. But ultimately, he didn't give them the best chance to compete on the highest level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what people need to, I, I don't know. I think there is a chance that we are moving towards that hurts to a moment, potentially based on what we've seen now. I maintain that it was way too early to talk about that stuff in the off season because things played out perfectly with the quarterback situation through the mm-hmm. Ohio state game in that we needed someone with, with uh, Brown's poise in that moment and leadership. And I think that he gave a lot more confidence to this team than they probably would have had going in with a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's a potential that they need to make a switch here because those accuracy issues do. Um, do concern you. I think you cut out. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I said they do put a ceiling on this offense. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, again, 10 for 21. Like, that. not only does that is that a very poor completion percentage, but, I mean, from what I saw at the game, like, a lot of these throws weren't anything exceptionally difficult that he was just missing. Also, it shows that your coordinator does not have a lot of confidence in you throwing the ball. Um, and you know, sometimes like the Russian can make up for that too. I mean, he really only had 
one, maybe two good rushes. He had the one for like 20 yards or whatever um, on 12 carries and 41 yards. That's just not great from Brown on the ground either. Yeah, and, and he's carrying it a lot, which is kind of weird based on what we've seen from this offense before. But um, but back to kind of what's been happening just with Brown, I think for me at the beginning of the year, sometimes I could, I could, um, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, allow it or whatever. I could like say it was okay. Yeah. Rationalize it because he, he had spent so long out of running a college offense. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was okay versus Fresno. Then we won it against Ohio state. Then it was Stony Brook. Now, having your fourth performance be the most concerning is really not good. Um, And for me, the way I look at it now is Oregon is going to have a big test next Saturday at Stanford. They're not a great team, but they're a solid team. They're a team, unlike Arizona, that can actually beat Oregon Mm -hmm. uh, if things go the wrong way for the Ducks. I think that's the game where you are going to learn a lot about this whole team, really. Um, And particularly the quarterbacks. I think it's a great chance there to see what this team can do as it looks currently, potentially with Kayvon being back at 100% um, or close to it, potentially Swinson's back. That's more up in the air. Um, But – you see what happens in that game and then you have a bye week and then Cal before the big test against UCLA. If there's a time to make a move with anything on this team, it's going to be after that Stanford game. Probably. I think right now you got to go in with, with what you have and try to do it. And I think use that Stanford game as a test to see where really are we, are we the team right now? that can run through this conference, or if we don't play up to the standard, standard that game, this team's going to need something to, to give them that extra spark. And frankly, this offense is just going to need to be more consistent if they want to make it through Pac-12 play unbeaten. The other facet of that too, I have to say, is this decision, especially when you're dealing with the quarterback, a lot of times it's not really the coach's decision it's going to come down to the locker room in a in large part I think that's what happened with the shuck situation a lot Mm -hmm. last year I think when we started to see Anthony Brown it was because Anthony Brown started to win over the locker room over shuck I feel like it makes sense that that Ty Thompson probably didn't have the locker room for a large set of spring and heading into the fall because he was the new man on campus. He's a freshman. But when he goes in and he starts throwing those balls and all of a sudden he hits Dante uh, Thornton for a touchdown, maybe, you know, in some game soon, he hits Devin Williams on one of those deep balls over the top and things start to turn or the defense, you know, has another three and out happen and the defense starts to feel like they're not getting enough kind of relief here from the offense. Mm-hmm. It does, it doesn't have to be that kind of, you know, sinister, but that's how it starts to turn when the, when the other players kind of start to feel like a guy is taking the job. That's, 
in my mind, the way that these decisions kind of have to go, because if you just throw a guy in there, you can lose the locker room um, and just create a lot of drama, I think. Uh, and I'm yeah, not the, sure that that, yeah, go ahead. The, I mean, that's just a great point because I, I hadn't really thought about it in that light before, but I mean, if your team doesn't have faith that you're the guy, then all hope is kind of lost for your case, you know? Um, yeah. Well, of course, and I you think, know, that's what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I think with, with Shuck last year, especially like that's what happened in the Cal game, probably like, I think that's a moment when we didn't win that game that people realize like they don't have faith in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very interesting. So again, like you said, uh, next week against Stanford, definitely the biggest, well, <laughs> biggest conference test uh, we'll have so far this year, Arizona being the only other example, maybe the most, I, I guess there's no good word for it, but Ohio state, like both of us, you know, didn't really expect, we hoped, but we didn't expect to win that game. Every other game we expect to win comfortably kind of been, I think it's safe to say a little bit disappointed in all three of those games. Right. Uh, yeah, hosting yeah. Fresno, Stony Brook, and Arizona. All three of them at home. All three of them slightly disappointing. I think back this one out was on probably the... the most disappointing in my mind. But uh, I don't know. Fresno was really well. Yeah. Okay. This one. This one was pretty disappointing. Um, but I think a lot of the problem with this game is that the defense, like on paper, you know, it. Mm-hmm. Well, even on paper, it, it goes two ways. Like, what I'm trying to say is the defense was two-faced, right? You get five interceptions in a game, that's a good game for the defense, regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, held them to 19 and, I guess, 17 because of the safety. Um, dealt with the subpar offensive performance and still turned out a touchdown of their own. And, you know, Arizona's never going to beat us with 17 points, right? Yeah, but again, they did give up quite a bit of yardage. I mean, it just seemed like Arizona, whenever they really needed, uh, or whenever we needed a stop, and Arizona really needed to convert a third down, they got it. Um, yeah, I think they're they were fifty percent on third down, and then four for four on fourth down. So even when they didn't get it, they would still usually get it the next play. I think that's pretty concerning. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that for sure. Um segue into injuries. Uh the defense was a little shorthanded. Kayvon was out there, but he wasn't really out there. Um mm-hmm. the guys at 247 said he played 13 snaps or so. I think Mario was talking about 10 or less. Um so he yeah. was on he was on like a restricted minutes sort of deal. Um yeah. Again, we didn't necessarily even expect him to play in this game, so that was a nice little surprise, I guess. Uh, there were some questions of whether or not he re-aggravated his injury. I didn't notice that at all in the stadium. Did you have any insight on that? Yeah, th- there was just a moment where he limped a little bit, and then he was sat on the sat on the bench, and everyone was like, "Oh, well, he ha- he's not coming back in." But then I think. Chris Ball basically said that's not what happened and also said that um, 
he was on the the snap limit. So I'm not that concerned about it. I mean, you never really know with Oregon injuries, but yeah, I (laughs) think a good chance he plays. Yeah, obviously, uh, as you mentioned already, Swinson was out for this game, so that's our backup edge. We had Jake Shipley starting on the outside, um, Mm -hmm. and Maya again getting a lot of reps. He had the only sack of the game, which was nice. Um, Mace Funa was out there, though. Adrian Jackson had a nice, like, uh, tackle from behind on somebody at some point where he, like, ran all the way across the field to make the play. Um, Brandon Dorless, I think, had a really good game. Didn't get a sack, but I want to say he had a couple of TFLs. Uh, maybe I should just look on my – yeah, he did have – oh, no, I – yeah, two TFLs. I was right. Um, so he did okay. Again, though, it's just a consistency thing with this defensive line. I'm not, I'm not super into it. I want to see more Jason Jones reps. Uh, I think he had some good ones. Yeah. I was, I was hoping he kind of had a, I was hoping he would have sort of a Jordan Scott moment on that fourth and one. Um, and he kind of did where he like, he was the nose tackle and he sort of blew up that, that center, um, and got the initial push back and stop on the quarterback but then he sort of like twirled around and and got the first down um other injuries jackson leduc still out uh i don't remember what his injury was are we gonna see him this year uh i think he's out a while at least but i don't know i forget exactly what the uh specifics of it is i probably should know that but i i don't right now um drew mathis i don't think he's He's not like day to day though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember it being longer term as well, but I, I couldn't remember if it was season long or not. Um, linebackers, Drew Mathis, Justin Flo, both still out. We expect them to be out for quite a while. Um, Chris Vaughn, a nice little Keith Brown praise quote uh, post game. He said he's really grown into himself and, you know, we're checking the necessary boxes there uh, from a development standpoint, which is great to see. I've, I've been a huge Keith Brown guy. Um, as I've mentioned time and time again, it's rare that you get this sort of in-state talent uh, as a four-star linebacker, especially from Lebanon. No hate to Lebanon. Um, we also saw Noah Sewell go down at one point. This was the scariest moment in the game for me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, man. I was, I was really like biting my nails during this one. Uh, it was good to see him walk off and even better to see him get back out there later in the game. But dear God, I, I, I'm for as much praise as we've given Nate Hukulani. I don't know if he can win us a championship playing it. Uh, well, at least starting at inside linebacker. Um, yeah. He's not as good as Noah Sewell, I think. <laughs> I think. I think. I'm not sure. Uh, he did have an interception, yeah. though. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's one. Noah's Noah's a bit of a he's a bit dramatic with the injuries, I think. But I'm here. I'm, I'm yeah, we've I'm seen this it. before, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but um, hey, he he can he, he can handle injuries however he wants if he keeps yeah, playing like true. this. <laughs> true, man. I got no qualms. Um <laughs> other injuries, uh didn't note any on offense. Uh, maybe there were I, I didn't see any. Did you? Uh, no, I don't think so. Other than the brown little limp, but I think that was fine in the end. Right, right. Okay, so that, I mean, that kind of does it for our injury report. Um, I think the consensus there might be not as bad as it could be. 
Um, but we still do. I mean, I still think we need to see some guys get healthier before putting any more stock into like a championship uh, season of any sort. Um, all right, man. Can we talk about interceptions for a bit? <laughs> I want to mention each of these because we kind of glossed over them during the, the game. Yeah. Plot. Yeah. Let's do it. So this first one, uh, it was Bennett Williams. Again, first play from scrimmage for Arizona. They're setting up a screen pass and the dude just floats it over everybody. Like, am I reading that right? Or seeing this it is... right? It's, it looked totally mind boggling. I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> and he, Jordan Cloud is, was their quarterback. He's their backup, if I understand correctly. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're, they're kind of messing around and doing all these different things. But, yeah, yeah. Again, you can afford um, to do that when you lose to Northern Arizona. But, yeah, he basically – it's like a screen pass and he just kind of throws it up and then Bennett just comes diving in for it. Yeah, that was really good to see. Forced a short field or set up a short field. Um, the second one, this one was important because, I mean, not just of where it was on the field, but, um, I mean, Arizona could have gone within three here. They were at uh, first and 10 at our 11, and then they they rush for a loss of one, and then uh, Mikhail Wright gets the touchdown in the end zone. Um, I didn't get a great look at this. How impressive was this the most impressive interception in terms of like the catch itself? The McHale one? Yeah. Or am I thinking of a different one? I think the McHale one is the, yeah, I think that was, that was the jump ball that was like back of the probably the most that was probably the most impressive pick. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think of the other ones. Yeah. No, that's a lot to keep the, track of. The Bennett one was good too. Cause he's diving, but McHale goes up and makes a play on the ball over mm-hmm. a guy. So I think that's the best one. Yeah. The, the other three were not that impressive of catches. Exactly. They're, yeah. you know, they put themselves in a good position credit to them, but ultimately it wasn't like, Sports Center top 10 one-handed grabs by any means, really. Yeah. Um, one thing real quick on McHale, I believe they were pretty much targeting DJ James all night from what I can recall in the stadium. Did you get that sense? Mm-hmm. I didn't really pick up on that, but I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. I mean, there, there were groans of like, oh, that number zero, he keeps getting beat like all the time. And like, I understand they were playing kind of soft coverage, but on multiple third downs, I want to say they uh, they kind of targeted DJ and got him. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I I'm curious to check the tape on that one. Uh, I think I think DJ is going to be good, but he's still he's still coming into his own. Yeah, I agree. The third interception was maybe the most important uh, out of all of them. Um, mm-hmm. Verone intercepting the ball at the one yard line. <laughs> when it was third and six at, at the 17 of Oregon again like Arizona have a chance to score here and put it within one score they eventually get a safety out of this uh, and then a touchdown to make it one score anyways but mm. I mean 24 to 10 this was not this is a 15 play drive and it 
feels kind of like we're getting bailed out on some of these defensive drives. Um, yeah. I didn't really dissect this. Maybe it was a bad pass. Maybe it was just, I mean, I know it was right place, right time for Barone, but um, did you see anything noteworthy on this play? I think it was just Verone playing mind games with an inexperienced quarterback, really. I like it. I like it. Um, the next one was the pick six. Uh, just some god awful tackling by Arizona's offense, which I, I guess you know. I guess you expect, uh, but some pretty nice running by Bennett Williams as well. Uh, used his blocker and then like kind of baited the last guy into not tackling him until he got to the end zone, which was kind of interesting, but. <laughs> Um, that was really fun to see. Uh, I believe Hithleday tweeted out the, the stat again of like Bennett Williams increases his interception return margin over his father. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, I like that 68 yard return for a touchdown. Uh, again, in a very crucial spot. This is the last score of the game, uh, and it came with seven minutes left in the game. Um, the last interception was Nate Hukulani. I, I was not really paying attention by the time this <laughs> happened. I was still there, make no mistake, but I, I wasn't really paying attention. Um, good for Nate getting the pick and uh, good for the defense for going plus five turnover margin, which puts Oregon number one in the country, if, if I remember correctly. I mean, how can it not, right? I'm I sure, yeah. But we were like number two before this, and I think one turnover behind like Rutgers or Iowa or something. Yeah. But yeah, plus five, always good to see. For all the crap we gave Brown today, I mean, no fumbles, no picks. I don't, I can't recall any balls that should have been picked. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there was any that, that were straight up drops or anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, move into Pac 12, you think? Or oh, well, anything real else quick, you have on we, this game? I was going to ask you that, but we got to do our players of the game. Oh, right, right, right. Players of the game. Um, dude, is it bad if I give it to Seven McGee on offense? Uh, uh, I mean, as I've said before, <laughs> it's it's our podcast. We make the rules. So This is true. I think I'm going to give it to Johnny Johnson, though. Um, he was the only receiver to catch multiple passes. And he also did some work on blocking, um, which is very crucial. As a former wide receiver, a Pop Warner wide receiver who pretty much exclusively blocked for five years, uh, I can say it's not always the easiest job in the world. Um, and it's not always the most fun job in the world either. But you know what? It's very important. So especially for this offense, as I understand it. So I'll give it to Johnny Johnson. On offense. Yeah, I think. I think on offense, I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to go with – this is probably a bad pick, um, but I'm going to go with the birthday boy, Jalen Red. Okay. You know, he got his explosive play, 63-yard touchdown. That's when I was happiest during the game, so I'm going <laughs> to give it to him. I agree. That is what I was happiest too. That's a good shout. I like that. <laughs> um, defense, I mean, uh, maybe – it's it's hard not to say Bennett Williams, but like, no, Sewell had 14 tackles, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you choose one, I'll choose the other. Pretty much is is how that one yeah. goes for me. I think both of those guys. I mean, 
Noah kind of getting it done, just being the guy who just eats up tackles is just everywhere. But then Bennett, you know, uh, just any time he had a play to make, he made it. He was really impressive. That's a good way to put it. He also, something I uh, forgot to mention that I need to, I mean, that one tackle where he basically like tackles his blocker and the, <laughs> the rusher at the same time. Um, at the line of scrimmage that was crazy I was getting hyped for that play uh, I yeah. couldn't tell you when it was during the game but um, I, I could definitely recognize the play again because it was pretty sick Bennett, um, Bennett Williams is is a dude who just makes plays if you go back to his his tape at uh, Illinois even I remember looking at that he had a bunch of he I don't know he just finds a way to make plays he's kind of like um Javon Holland in that way. Mm, uh, I like it. Not, you know, I mean, Javon Holland's really special, obviously, but but Bennett is a similar type of thing where just, I don't know, for some reason when he's making the tackle, it just seems like there's that 20% more chance that a ball pops out, you know, or um, he doesn't miss his tackles for a loss mm-hmm. uh, and he gets his hand on on some interceptions too. Yeah, final stat line, eight tackles, six solo. Uh, not bad at all, including the two interceptions, one for six. Um, Tom Snee, also props. Always. Necessary kudos, I would say. Um, okay, anything else before we get to Pac-12? No, let's do some Pac-12. And we talked about a lot of Pac-12 before, but but we'll go through some of the results that happened at least this week. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's... Uh, get these boring ones out of the way first. Um, (laughs) I hope you guys are listening to our um, preview pod on what was it Wednesday we released it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And let me pull up these picks actually, because I want to, I want to keep, keep ourselves on our toes here. Um, (laughs) Oh geez. I don't know how I have, I have no idea how these went. I don't even remember what I picked. I didn't either, but I'm scrolling through it, and they're pretty good. Uh, let's start with Wazoo 13, Utah 24. Um, we both picked Utah to cover this 14, and, uh, you know, okay. That was the we wrong pick. Um, I believe that <laughs> this is a very, very bad sign for Nick Rolovich, both on and off the field is, is kind of the storyline we can take from this. I didn't watch yeah. it at all, so I couldn't tell you how they played, but. Yeah. No, I watched it a bit, and and um, they actually played him close enough. Really, uh, I mean, they were up, they were up three until uh, until Utah scored late in the fourth, hmm. uh, and then Utah got a pick six shortly after that to extend it. So I think safe to say we were on the wrong side of this one. I thought Wazoo was closer to well, Arizona looked not absolutely horrible yesterday as well but um i thought wazoo was closer to the very bottom of this conference than they were to the middle and and they looked solid enough maybe it's just a case that utah's closer to the bottom than we think um probably true as well i think that's a big thing storyline moving forward is that utah game looks less and less scary uh and it was maybe the biggest one in conference that a lot of people had circled when before this season started uh the washington game too but i think some ducks fans don't even entertain the idea that we are going to lose there true Uh, 
And speaking yeah. of, is is that going to be the, I mean, obviously Ohio State was a crazy road test in terms of environment and you can't really parallel that with anything. Uh, is Utah going to be the most raucous crowd we see for the rest of the year? I mean, it should be like off top. I mean, UW might get up for that, but I'll be honest, I've been talking to a lot of students in Eugene who were going to that game and I think I'm going to be one of them. So you should be, might- man. Yeah, we, we might see a lot more green and yellow in that stadium than people expect. It, depends. it, de- it definitely depends where Washington goes the rest of the season. If they somehow just rattle off wins until then or, or only one loss or something, which they don't look like they're going to do, but they could, um, <laughs> then I think that that crowd will be pretty raucous. But if they look like they're going to lose that game, I think they're going to flee that place pretty fast. Uh, we might as well cover that game right now then. Washington 31, Cal 24 in overtime. I mentioned this to you beforehand, but at halftime of the of the Oregon game, they were showing this game on the video boards. Yeah. Um, and we only got to see a few plays. It was like we got to see a, a UW three and out, I believe, which was kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, this game could have gone either way. Cal fumbled on literally the one yard line in overtime on first and goal. Uh, otherwise this, this, like I said, this could have gone either way. Uh, you picked UW against the spread, which is a win for me. Cause I had Cal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll take it, man. <laughs> did you watch any of this? Yeah, I did. I watched the end of it kind of, um, well, the ducks game was, was, starting the second half I had this one on finishing up I think it was how it worked out but um yeah you know I think Washington officially is not totally back and after that Arkansas (laughs) State win I think this looked I mean I don't know better teams than this Washington team have also lost to Cal though so and they ended up (laughs) pulling it out so i mean i don't know but i i I think that we can officially dismiss those uh takes from washington twitter that they could still go 10 and 2 and win the conference uh true yeah i'm not i think i mean you mentioned like they'll they might get up for the game if they rattle off a string of wins like yeah that looks pretty sus they head to oregon state next next uh Next and that week. is a beautiful transition into what I consider the result of the week in the Pac-12. Um, OSU getting their first win in the Coliseum since 1960. Uh, that's that's pretty bad news. That's awesome. Dante Williams. I think it's safe to say Dante Williams is, will no longer be considered for a head coaching job. Like maybe if he ran the table and won something, somehow like got a Pac-12 championship out of this season than maybe, but yeah, no, this, this one was all about the Beavers. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good for the Beavs, man, who I mm-hmm. picked and you didn't. This is true. This is um, true. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, good for the Beavs. I, that was awesome. I had hoped that that would go that way. I was rooting for the Beavs. It's cool that they got their first win there. Um, after the Beavers, for those for longtime Pac-12 fans, actually have a pretty solid history of upset victories over USC. It just so happens true. most of them have taken place in Reeser. I guess all of them have taken place <laughs> in Reeser. Um, but it was cool to see. Good for good for the bees for sure. 
Yeah, for sure. USC, uh, double-digit favorites in that one. Fall at home. Uh, on a national audience, too, FS1. And Slovis played, by the way. He was starting. Jackson Dart was out. Uh, I asked you this question before the podcast, so I know your answer already, but are you starting Jackson, a healthy Jackson Dart over a healthy Keaton Slovis if you're USC? I am, and I think that there's a chance they would have as well, but I'm. we never got to know, I guess. It, they said it was a quarterback competition, though, and I feel like that says a lot, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now especially you, since the season is over. Yeah. Um, One more game on this list. Where should man. we go next? Two, two more, actually. Sorry. Let's start with UCLA uh, covering against Stanford. We both got this one right. Stanford is still looking dangerous, though. I mean, uh, my perception yeah. of these two teams hasn't really changed at all with this game. Other than, I mean, I guess UCLA isn't totally capitulating. Um but Stanford, again, does still pose a threat for next week. Yeah, the game the game went almost, you know, exactly how I would have drawn it up. Um, and in doing so, I think both teams proved that they're, you know, that UCLA is around the 20th best team and Stanford's around the 35th best team with, with McKee in there. Um, and I'm excited to dig in more to this Stanford-Oregon matchup. In the midweek episode, it's it's a really big one, obviously. Oh, definitely. Um, the final game, <laughs> and this this is the game that gets me the win over you this week in our picks. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, shoot, where's the final score? I just had it. Um, I don't know what it was, but ASU covered against Colorado. So, thirty-five, thirteen. Yep. Oh my, so this makes me a whopping two and three. I have two and three, and I picked the Ducks too, which puts me to two and four. We're, we're not going to bet on that. Them. Yeah, we, we can't count that. Okay, um, two and three it is. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take my three and two. Not <laughs> um, <laughs> <How> much better, <laughs> especially since I bet real money on Colorado to cover plus 11. That was a poor decision on my part. Thanks, Pate. Um, yeah, man, uh, I didn't watch a single snap of this game, obviously. Um, and I, I feel like I'm better off for that. So did you watch a single snap of this game? Not Colorado ASU. There's, I mean, there's Ducks game. There's Cal Washington. There's Oregon State USC. You only have so many screens in life, and I don't have a Pac-12 network on my TV here either. So I'm I'm trying to dual wield a couple of laptops with multiple tabs and a phone. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you just got to give it up when your team's playing. And yeah, sometimes Colorado you just gotta, and Arizona State isn't even close, anyways. So yeah, sometimes you just gotta gotta commit to turning the notifications on or even off. And, and just letting that one be. No, yeah, I had the I had the notifs on. I was keeping track of it in case it got close, but I ultimately it wasn't. Um, all right, does that wrap up Pac-12 play pretty much? It does indeed. Um, I think one thing I do want to say is hopefully next week, I'm thinking we might have more of a chance to kind of dive into where those those divisional races in the Pac-12, but I think it's still a, at least a week too early to do that, probably. I agree, yeah. Uh, as we already knew last week, Oregon's the only undefeated team. Um, the Beavers, 
I mean, do you want to do power rankings or we'll save that for midweek after we get a little more context behind some of yeah. these results? Yeah. Um, anyways, I, I think it's safe to say there's some movement as is expected um, in our power rankings. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go national. Yep. A lot of very interesting results this weekend, even if they weren't all losses or upsets. Um this is like the second straight week, man, that we've heard that it's going to be a boring slate and that it that's completely false. Completely <laughs> false. Um, we got a new segment. We brainstormed this right before recording. Uh, it's Fraud Watch. So we got three tiers of, of fraudulence in college football, right? Or maybe anti. There's not fraud. There is a team on Fraud Watch, which, you know, maybe, maybe they're frauds, maybe they're not. And then we have Fraud Confirmed. So we're going to confirm a few teams this week. Uh, we're going to deem some as non-fraud and a few, you know, some of them will still be on fraud watch. Uh, fraud is a very broad term. I, I think it's safe to say the way we're thinking about this is that a team is fraudulent or not based on relative expectations for that team. Um, yeah. So like, you know, for example, um, maybe Nebraska moves themselves out of fraud watch uh, based on these last two weeks of impressive results, even though they're losses. Whereas right. a team like, spoiler, Texas A&M, uh, fraud confirmed on this one. They were on fraud watch. So let's dive in. Do you want to start? I, I think yeah. we'll just go back and forth with teams that, that we think. Yeah, so that sounds start. good. I'm going to start with, my my biggest takeaway from the weekend and maybe my most uh, – the game – well, I don't know. One game I was really happy to watch, Arkansas fully confirming they're not a fraud for me. Big um, time. They ran through A&M, and, and as you said, I have A&M on the other side of that in, in pretty much fraud-confirmed territory. They could move <laughs> back to fraud watch with a good performance through that rest of the SEC. Maybe they play Ole Miss well and beat them, but – um, Arkansas firmly in the non-fraud. Uh, Definitely, man. I mean, a lot of people, me included, were projecting them to be the worst team in the SEC West, uh, and they are certainly not that. I, I think it's safe to say that belongs to Mississippi State after this week. Maybe maybe even LSU. Even. <laughs> um, but it's funny because the SEC West is looking very strong, and yet we expected that to be the case because of Bama and Texas A&M and LSU but it's really Bama, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. Uh, that's going to be a very fun race to watch this year. Also, Auburn is still in that division, in case you forgot. So, yeah. Um, by the way, Auburn fraud watch? Or are they fraud Auburn, Auburn's a fraud confirmed for me. Wow. Um, they were really – I mean, they were they were very close to losing that Georgia State game and had to bench Knicks in it. So, I mean – that was pretty fraudulent result in my mind. It, it really changes the way I think about Penn state as well. Um, mm. Both results uh, for Auburn and Wisconsin were not good for Penn state's resume. I think uh, going into this week in my rankings, you know, I, I kind of put Penn state up there at, um, I must've, I had them at four, I think because they had, two data points I thought were pretty solid versus Wisconsin and Auburn. And I think I even 
drug Wisconsin up my rankings a bit because I had respect for that Penn State team. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, was, I mean, I'll go for another one. Wisconsin, basically fraud confirmed. That offense is <laughs> horrible. Yeah, man. Such- I, for as competitive as this game was, I couldn't watch it. I, I could not bear myself to watch it. Like, seriously, I <laughs> – I no further comments. It was so ugly until the fourth quarter. Um, what, I think it what what, was think? it thirteen ten going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, Thank God. Um, what do you by the think way, about you, Notre Dame though. Notre Dame. I mean, my opinion of them hasn't really changed from what you nailed it. I think with last week saying that ultimately, I don't really see them as a major threat to make the playoff. Obviously, they're a team I'm going to root against. For those purposes and just because I hate Notre Dame I, I think that goes yeah. for a lot of people um but real quick I also want to mention Penn State man uh a result that looks probably a little worse than it was giving up 14 points in garbage time to Villanova for the 38-17 win uh is Penn State on fraud watch for you they're probably on fraud watch now okay uh, okay in terms of top five and even top 10 status they I think they might be fraudulent within that group. Um, tough, look, tough I, 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 I said it. And I, Iowa back to back. I said it right after the Wisconsin game that I think Wisconsin wins that game more times than not, based on how it was played. Credit to Penn State for pulling it out, but at the time, I thought that was against a top fifteen to ten Wisconsin team. Now that Wisconsin team is is hanging on by a thread in the top 25 discussion for me. Mm. Um, I mean, Graham Mertz just absolutely – he, you know, he just basically grabbed uh, Uzi and pointed it directly at a big, fat badger foot and just sprayed about five clips of ammunition into the foot of the badgers. Just – Oh, man. <laughs> absolutely what a visual <laughs> <laughs> just i mean absolutely throwing the game away like graham graham Mertz has got to be benched after that performance um and and notre dame's basically all their drives were aided by uh turnovers or positive field position uh or just a straight up kick return for a touchdown <laughs> yeah and yeah i mean and still, they won the game uh, because of Graham Mertz, mostly in my mind, and and some poor play calling. But uh, yeah, uh, let's stay in the Big Ten for this. Ohio State non fraud. Although we got to talk about this Pope situation, man. Um, yeah. Quitting mid game and literally tweeting "fuck Ohio State" during the game. What is up with this? Yeah, I still I don't know. I don't really know, but <laughs> that was a crazy story for sure. Um, they beat the crap out of Akron, though, with um, not C.J. Stroud. Who was starting instead of Stroud? I can't remember. Uh, uh, McCord, was it? McCord, yeah, Kyle McCord. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I guess they have a deep room, quarterback room at Ohio State. Like, who would have thought? I, That's crazy. I think I still have Ohio State kind of on, on broad watch. Okay. Territory, because – the Akron result doesn't mean a ton for me. That's right. Um, but I think that is a lot better than the team that everyone had kind of married next to Ohio State um, 
for so long. Clemson, mm-hmm. fraud confirmed. Oh, Giants, 100%. Fraud confirmed. Yeah, this is the definition of fraud confirmation right here. Um, I mean, you even get the missed field goal at the end of regulation yep, yep. to give yourself a chance in OT, and you still lose. Um, it was just bad. Plain old bad. They they got bullied by North Carolina State in the trenches, from what I understand. Uh, I only watched the end of this game, but jeez, man. Yeah, I mean, Brzee and Skalski, maybe their two best defenders, um, did go out with injuries, but still. It uh, just that, doesn't matter. Yeah, you should be beating yeah. this team 10 times out of 10 for the standards yeah. they have. Now, I will say one counterpoint. Um, they're, they're still very much fraud confirmed. But for people who are very quick to drop Clemson out of their top 25, I would just say there are not 25 teams that hang within a touchdown of Georgia right now. Um, True. And that still means something to me, uh, even though – this was a bad showing for Clemson for sure. Um, you really could put a fraud confirmed label on, on the entirety of the ACC with how North Carolina looked against Georgia tech getting yep. absolutely blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is something we mentioned. Jackets. We mentioned as a possibility, like the ACC could really do the PAC 12, a lot of favors in terms of national conference perception or rankings or whatever you want to say. Um, because, yeah, they now have a two-and-two two Clemson, which means they don't – I mean, they have zero chance of making the playoff, especially with a two-and-two two, uh, North Carolina. Um, and a Miami's bad. Two-and-two two Miami. <laughs> um, like, yeah, Miami beat up on some directional school. Uh, but they're, they're still fraud confirmed in my mind. Um, yeah. After that Michigan State loss – Although Michigan State, uh, real quick, jumping back into the Big Ten, they look pretty good, right? Yeah, 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 they looked all right. They're, they're fraud watch for me, at least, for sure. Oh, that's – I mean, I was joking. Yeah, they're definitely <laughs> moving on to fraud watch uh, after doing basically what Oklahoma did last week against Nebraska, which is winning yeah. by one score. Um, that's, that's not a great sign for Sparty. Um. Shoot, man, what what else is on our list here that we can well, get to? I mean, speaking of Oklahoma, that yes, this is just an insane weekend. Gotta everywhere, right. I think fraud confirmed at this point. West Virginia was really close to pulling that out. Blitz uh, Duo said that uh, the Oklahoma student section was chanting for Rattler to be benched. Yeah, they were. Yeah, love it so completely, spicy. absolutely it. completely. They're chanting, "We want Caleb and everything," which that. <sighs> They might not be wrong about it. I don't think it's a good look, but... Uh, I've been saying but, it, man. Rattler's the most overhyped player in college football. I mean, in preseason, we were talking about... Not we, but the Royal we were talking about him as like a Heisman... As the Heisman frontrunner. And it's like... Lost to K-State twice now. What about this guy has you people like drooling over Spencer Rattler? I, I just don't understand. And he's got... K- K-State coming up again this weekend. Exactly. Big road game in Manhattan, baby. That is Manhattan, right? I'm not mixing those yep. two up. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, let's speak of K-State. Uh, maybe, maybe 
can't call them non-fraudulent. Uh, they lose a close one to Oklahoma State, as I understand it. Um, this was a team that like was maybe being hyped up as like a classic, like nine and three Kansas State, who's just gonna like or ten and two and ends up winning the Big Twelve somehow. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anymore. So, in that sense, I I guess you you could say fraud confirmed, or maybe back on fraud watch. I don't know. We're getting a little too specific at this point. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? Uh, I want to I want to say I think that uh, your uh, your secondary team Georgia, mm. not that they were frauds before, but this was a good result for them this weekend for sure. They absolutely um, absolutely put a whooping on on Vanderbilt, um, and they deserve credit for that. I mean. They Vanderbilt's not great, obviously. It's a pretty bad bandy team, but They're not even good. <laughs> yeah. But still, I, you know, what was it, 66 to nothing or 62 to nothing? Um, yeah, something like that. It, it was not close. 35 to zero at, at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's big time, especially when, you know, they were taking. Win of the year in Clemson, um, but still, I think you go out of this day feeling like, yeah, you know, ultimately Georgia did what uh, what only a few teams are really doing. Um, yeah, that's true. We're not that top two ranking. We're not seeing a lot of these crazy blowouts uh, across the board this year. Yeah. That I being think, said, uh, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think Texas is another team. That, yeah, if you're going to mention them. It's literally going to, yeah. Uh, I don't know where they were before. I don't know if we had them on fraud confirmed after the Arkansas game. We, we probably would have if we had this segment at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they've at least moved to fraud watch and potentially non-fraud. I think they're, they're a top 20 team or so, top 20. In that, you know, in the 20 range, 20 to 25. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, If you had to set a line on Red River, which is the week after next, so October 9th, uh, less than a touchdown to Oklahoma, right? Maybe a touchdown. I might, I might be picking Texas right now. Yeah. Like, Depending on uh, momentum, I, I mean, Texas play at TCU, who they always lose to, and Oklahoma play at Kansas State, who they always lose to. It's going to be a real interesting runway leading up to this game, for sure. I just don't – I just straight up don't trust Oklahoma to win that game, and I actually think that – I think Sark could get it done. I, I think it has the makings of a red river that Texas pulls out, honestly. Mm. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, from a neutral standpoint, I don't, I don't really care about Texas or Oklahoma. Oh, fraud confirmed, dude. Iowa State. My God. Yeah. Wow. Losing to Baylor. 4-0 Baylor, by the way. But Baylor nonetheless. Um, they're <laughs> I, I'm, I'm tired of Iowa State being relevant. Like, sorry. I know they're lovable and everything, but I'm, I'm over Iowa State. Uh, they're they're dead now. You can go ahead and bury them. Bury them. I think pretty much. Yep. 
maybe they sneak back into the Big 12 championship game. I mean, the, since I was in the Big 10. But, yeah, I, I'm not seeing Iowa State doing anything special this year. Yeah. Yeah. What else we got on here? Uh, I need to mention LSU and Mississippi State only because I had LSU minus two and a half and they won by three. Uh, also, this game was at 8 a.m. local time. Um, Bowling Green beat Minnesota. Don't know if you saw that. Uh, not great for Colorado perception wise. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to just institute the Minnesota rule. Throw out all games involving Minnesota. Ooh, I, I like it. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this team. They play Ohio State close. They oh, and then they uh, and then they lose to Bowling Green. Yeah, uh, the part that the listeners couldn't hear because you cut out was wiping the floor with Colorado. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, is, were that word for word? Uh, I said oh. they destroyed Colorado. I think oh, okay. but, that's fair. Um, yeah, like going to the most extreme tier of fraudulence, Florida State, man, losing <laughs> losing to Louisville. Uh, was this a home game for the Seminoles? I don't know. What'd you, what'd you say? Was it a home game for the Seminoles? I don't know. I think I think it might have been. Either way, Louisville 31, Florida State 23. Oh, it was a home game for them, by the way. Um, uh, Louisville had a skeptical win, I think it's safe to say, over UCF a week before. And Florida State is now 0-4 after looking competitive with Notre Dame in week one. Not just looking competitive, having a chance to beat Notre Dame in week one. Um, what do you make of this micro rail situation? Uh, should he be fired instantly or will that just set them back even further? I don't know if they, I don't know if they have the money to fire him. Um, I think, I think it was dangerous of them to move on from Taggart as quickly as they did. I know a lot of people listening to this have their own opinions (laughs) on Taggart. Um, for good reason. (laughs) We do too. (laughs) Right. Um, but ultimately I don't think. I don't know. I think he could have been given a little bit more time there. Um, and at worst, I think he probably would have recruited all right for them. And they still would have been as mediocre as they are now, but they would have had a little more time to he probably yeah. Yeah. It's it's looking bad. Um, it is also looking bad for North Carolina, as we mentioned, losing to I don't I don't remember if we mentioned that or not, but losing to Georgia Tech. Uh, mm-hmm. the Ramblin' Wreck almost beat Clemson last week. And now they get it done against North Carolina and not just get it done, but get it done convincingly. Um, another, like another reason to like fade Heisman hopefuls or at least preseason Heisman hopefuls. Uh, I don't know the exact line for Sam Howell in this game, but it couldn't have been good. Um, losing. What was the score? I think Georgia tech, put like 35, 45 to 22. My God. Jeez. Uh, Georgia Tech, all those 45 points coming in the last three quarters. Not a good look for Mac Brown. Uh, although I still have faith in them going forward. I don't know what their like quarterback situation is going like coming up in the next few years, but they've been recruiting really well um, mm-hmm. with Brown. So we'll see what happens there. Any other games you want to hit on? Uh, I think I'm going to mention Liberty losing to Syracuse only because Liberty were undefeated and, you know, that they're – 
they're kind of off the New Year's Six block there, I think. Um, Syracuse plays FSU next week. Just needed to mention that. Um, oh, and five, here we come. Oh, yeah. Any other, any other games you need to mention here? No, I think we did good. I think the one big storyline we missed from the Ducks game. Mm. Andre 3000 in the house. Yes, dude. Jesus, how did I forget this, man? Uh, my man Sam posted the pick on Twitter. got like 17,000 likes or something. Still uh, going, too. I think it's up to tw- over 20 last time I saw it. Whoo, love that. Uh, 100% of Outcast was in attendance for this game, and nothing could make me happy. Honestly, like, I, as soon as I saw that this morning, I was like, oh, I got to leave the show with this. And then I totally forgot about it. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, that was the coolest thing I saw in all of college football this week. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I wish we would have. I wish we would have kept up that first that starting performance a little more. But hopefully, they had a good time. Yeah, it seemed like they were having a good time, even with the <laughs> 3K. I, I don't know if you saw this quote, but 3K was like, "Big boys like panning around." He's like, "Yeah, we out here. Like, where are we at?" Andre says, "This game, man." <laughs> 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 hey, you know what? I'll take it, even if he doesn't know who's playing or where he is. I'll take it, man. <laughs> um, are they the? Is that the, the greatest uh, rap duo of all time? I know you have. I mean, mm. I'm sure you have some opinions about this. We don't have to get into it yeah. right now. But who's better? They're definitely, they're definitely there. Um, I don't know. I think. Mm, like Black Star, maybe. Um, That's a good shout. But One probably not. Wonders, like, like yeah. worth mentioning, but probably not. I think Mad Lib and MF Doom's not really like a rap duo. That's fair. Kanye and Jay, like. That's what I was thinking. But it was like solid, but it's like. Similar to Black Star, as, like one album wonder, you know? Yeah. And ultimately, like, Watch the Throne is not like. I don't know. Don't, 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 don't continue that sentence. Don't, don't want to get, get too controversial right now, but yeah. Um, sweet, man. I think that does it for college football this week, right? I think we're I think good. Yeah. I think that's all we got. So, oh, TCU fraudulent. That's all I got. Um, yeah. Good point. Sweet, man. This is a fun episode. Uh, I like the, let us know what you think of the fraud watch tiers. Are we saying fraud too much? Do you want us to just be more succinct with it? Are we not um, saying fraud enough? Are we? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Maybe you want more fraudulence. Uh, you're listening to this. So you got a good start. Um, all right, man. How are you going to spend the rest of your Sunday? Uh, doing some homework, watching some more and listening to some more podcasts, especially late kick tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and starting to prep with uh for this stanford podcast and preview work maybe trying to interview some recruits that were there this weekend mm, so, scoop duck plug yeah scoop duck. always go, go if you're not on scoop duck you're not paying attention to what's really going on um yeah no, that's all i got too uh read the daily emerald uh there's a lot of good writers there that aren't me um 
<laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to do a piece this week about like the ticketing situation at Oregon, especially the student tickets. So be able oh, to look, yeah. watch for that. If you go to the stadium, that that's like the it's the 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 ones they hand out uh, when you're walking in. Check that out. And yeah, man, I don't I don't have anything else. Get ready for the Stanford preview. Yeah. Go, Go Ducks. Ducks.